I've been promising for a while that if you keep sending me emails and leaving comments on iTunes, that I would try to read some of them on the air. So I'd like to start out with an email that I got from a guy named John in Houston, Texas. John says, Hey Otis, been listening to your show for a few months now. Just want to thank you for doing such a wonderful job with the interviews and for bringing a very creative and original way of interviewing these folks and for bringing their story to us. It's entertaining and something I look forward to every Wednesday. You see, I'm a musician at night with a day job, and sometimes the only way I can shake off the day job to be in the right mental place to do the gig is to listen to your show on the drive after work. All that to say, truly wonderful work all around. Thank you, John, for sending that email, and uh, keep sending those in, and I'll try my best to read them on the air. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville, Tennessee, and I have my cats Frankie and Baby sitting right next to me. And today's Baby's birthday, so when I'm done doing this, we're going to go off and we're going to have a birthday party for Baby. But this is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. And I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. And this is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Austin Lucas. Austin is a singer-songwriter who lives right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And you can find out everything you need to know about Austin at austinlucasmusic.com. I first met Austin a little over a year ago at Moss Tacos when he was hanging out with my buddy Bingham Barnes, and I said hey to Bingham, and then Bingham introduced us, and uh, he's a good guy. I get to hang out with him a couple times here in Nashville, and it's nice to see him around town, and it's also nice to have a couple Indiana guys meet up in a different place. But Austin and I got together and recorded this over at my friend Camilla's house while she was out of town, and her house was empty, so it was nice and quiet. And I really enjoyed it, and I think you will too. Here's Austin Lucas. Yeah, I'm from Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, I grew up outside of Bloomington, uh, in the uh, like <clears throat> in the woods, like Lake Griffey watershed. Are you familiar with Bloomington? Or yeah, not? yeah. Um, Lake Griffey was the f- I don't I actually think it was the second reservoir for the city of Bloomington. Um, now we have Lake Monroe. Uh, which is the largest man-made lake in Indiana, and um, and uh, but yeah, Lake uh, Lake Griffey was the reservoir for years and years until they uh, they made uh, Lake Monroe, and it's all like basically like uh, there's a Lake Griffey watershed which is like connected to the Hoosier National Forest, um, and that's where I grew up, you know. So um, <clears throat> basically, like I'm from like the northeast side of Monroe County, and uh, and uh, that's you know I just. I grew up in the woods, like, I didn't have a lot of friends, and, you know, like, I just basically hung out with my dog and climbed trees and, you know, like, uh, sword-fought trees, you know what I mean, with <laughs> sticks that I'd broken <laughs> off of them already, and, you know what I mean, like, uh, ran around shirtless in the wintertime, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that's basically like you know what I did. I mean, I had I had some friends, but I I mean I always been kind of I don't know. I guess a bit of a social outcast. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't until I was older that I had like any confidence to even hardly talk to anybody. You know, so it wasn't really until I started playing music, like you know. Uh, I mean, that was always like the thing that, that gave me confidence to talk to people because people would come and talk to me. So like I started singing really young, you know, cause my dad's a singer and you know, his whole family are singers. And so my whole family pretty much are either musicians, artists, or social workers, you know? And, uh, so, uh, basically I started performing really young and I've realized that like the only time I felt comfortable talking to people is when people approached me. And the only time that people ever approached me was when I was done performing. So you know, like that's kind of been uh, my MO <laughs> like through my entire life. You know what I mean? Like, like the only, I like, you know, I think that a lot of people, I, I don't know how many people obviously, cause I'm not a fucking scientist or a psychic, but uh, like a lot of people suffer from social anxiety and I'd be one of those people. And um, my biggest thing is that I don't always feel like I have anything to offer anybody, you know? And so as a performer, then I feel like I have something to offer because people, you know what I mean? Like I go and I'm the center of attention, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, what, what kind of psychological analytical fucking, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> type personality, you know what I mean? Like is that, but, um, you know, like, uh, it just allows me to, to feel like I have something to offer and have something to converse with people with. And so. Did it make you feel like you had a reason to be in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, a, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why I smoke too, you know, like, because, I'm constantly aware, you know what I mean? Like of where I am in the room and what other people are doing. And I, you know, I know like how they're interacting with each other and I want to interact similarly with those people. And so if I'm in a room and nobody's talking to me, you know what I mean? Like I'm just like light up or if I can't smoke inside where everyone is, you know, that gives me a reason to get the hell out of this awkward situation where I don't know <laughs> what to say to anybody and go fucking smoke a cigarette. I lived there for a couple of years when I was married, and that um, I lived there for a couple of years after I lived in Dayton. You know, well, I moved back from Dayton after living there for three years, lived there for like a few months, and then moved to San Francisco. And after being in San Francisco for almost a year, I moved back to Bloomington. And I was there until I moved to Prague, you know. So I'm just like in and out, you know what I mean, like all the time, and mostly just like for a couple of days visit, you know, when I go there. When you were a kid, did you ever go to Bean Blossom? Bill Monroe Festival? With my dad, yeah. My dad performed there. Though I was really young. I mean, like, I vaguely remember, like, the competitions and stuff like that. I remember wanting to enter the competitions and, like, trying to, like, make, like, half-cooked schemes with the other kids and stuff like that. Like, um, I mean, I remember, like, Battleground really well. Um, and, like, uh, a bunch, I mean, you know, I remember the, all those festivals, you know what I mean? I remember a lot of art fairs, especially because my mom, you know, she's an artist and she'd like travel around peddling her wares, you know? And like, uh, but you know, really, uh, those, a lot of those memories are so early cause my parents split up when I was five that like, I don't, I don't remember them as well as I should. Um, I still got to go with my dad to some of those things. I mean, do you know who Lotus Dickey is? He, he was from Paoli and, uh, my dad and Dylan Buston and like, there's a bunch of old Bloomington fol folkies. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, they discovered this. You know what the Lotus Fest is in Bloomington? Yeah. It's named after Lotus Dickey. Okay. Yeah, and he was this old-timer, old fiddler, you know, like, um, um, and banjo picker, you know, that lived, like, up in, you know, the hills, like, near Paoli in a shack that he built. 
you know, and raised. I don't remember how many kids, you know what I mean? Like if my dad was here, he would be able to tell you all of it, you know? Um, so uh, they discovered him and he just had like, you know, thousands of songs that he written over the years. Just like these, you know what I mean? Like great, you know what I mean? Like old timey songs, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, I don't think he ever thought it would really go anywhere because, you know, he's just this dude living in the cabin, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like in the woods and like, you know, like uh, creating for the for the sake of creating, and then these Bloomington folkies discovered him, and you know they they kind of brought him out into the light and got his got him recorded and stuff like that. And now, of course, they have the Lotus Festival, which is like a huge world music festival in Bloomington, Indiana, which is named after him. And I remember really well traveling with my dad in Lotus, and you know, Lotus was he seemed ancient to me, and I think he was at least in his seventies, if not his eighties, you know, at the time. And they did. The, they were doing the state fair or state state park circuit, you know. Like so, they would go and play for campers on like a Friday and Saturday night around Indiana and Illinois and stuff like that, and Ohio. And I would go with them. So those trips I remember really well, you know. Like, and I think one of the reasons why I remember those really well is because it was just me and my dad and Lotus in the in the car, since it was so few people interacting. And like, you know, when you talk about like a festival, there's just like thousands of people everywhere you know what i mean like and it's like so much it's like i mean those are some of the things some of the today when i play festivals those are some of the few gigs that i don't remember as well because i've kind of got this like like uh photographic show memory like i don't remember people's names and sometimes i don't remember people's faces but i remember where i played what year you know what i mean like on what tour and like you know like all that stuff like i remember it really really well Well, he likes to rage and have parties, you know, like, but he talks to his wife all the time and he's really devoted. And, you know, I, I think that um, Chuck's a really specific kind of character that you don't meet on the road very often. And that's like truly 100% devoted to his wife. If the, like, of course, he's like friends with women and stuff like that. But if a woman even remotely hits on him, he just walks away from her immediately. And I know guys, like a lot of guys that are married, you know what I mean? Like they like the attention you know what i mean like so they'll stay and flirt with girls and and i don't necessarily think there's a problem with flirting but there's something to be said about a man that loves his wife so entirely so completely that like he's not even willing to exchange like a wink and a you know what i mean a wink and a smile with another woman good for chuck man. yeah and like and i think that like that's beautiful you know i mean chuck is a stalwart you know what i mean like he's like he's so steadfast and just like and kind, you know, like, and devoted. And, like, he he has so much love inside of him. And, you know, and he shows it all the time. The people that he cares about, you know, like, and even people that he doesn't know and doesn't care, think people he shouldn't care about, myself included in that. I could be a pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, Chuck, he just, he's patient. You know what I mean? Like, he's tolerant and, you know, like, and he cares about people and, you know, and you can see it in all of his, his actions. A lot of people listening to this won't know what the revival tour is. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's a, a traveling, like acoustic, like punk, uh, circus. <laughs> I mean, like it, it's basically like, you just get like four or five different performers that have never played together before. And you throw them all on a bus together and you make them collaborate every day. You know, and so it's, you know, it's all basically people who, you know, played uh, mostly, uh, I'd say predominantly uh, people who used to play in sort of like top level 
you know what I mean? Like uh, emo and punk bands. Um, and then, then there's also a few people that Chuck just kind of like takes chances on and like, you know, like myself that like he'll bring on board. <clears throat> and like, really, you know, it's just a lot of punks that like roots music now, you know what I mean? Just trying to do their best, you know what I mean? Like to make those sounds that they're obsessed with. I mean, the coolest thing about that tour though, is the collaboration acts aspect, you know, cause you know, and, and being on the bus with everybody because like, it really makes you feel like you're in it, you know, cause like you're living it day in day out with each other. And like none of us alone could ever afford to be on a tour bus except for Frank Turner, who is a, is a revival tour alumni and he, and he, and he has graduated, you know, like up, <laughs> up, up. Uh, I have a Frank Turner story from, well, I mean, I've got some, but the best one that I can think of is, uh, is, you know, uh, we did the South by Southwest showcase uh, this year, me and Frank, uh, kind of on a tear and, uh, um, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. You ever hear the Get Up Kids? They're like, you know, emo band on Vagrant. They're, you know, really big for a while. And, you know, they're kind of something of a guilty pleasure of mine, you know. And me and Frank are hanging out, getting drunk. And we're like, man, I wonder wonder if Matt's going to play any Get Up Kids songs. You know, he's got to, right? He's got to play some Get Up Kids songs. (laughs) And like, and, uh, and we're like, let's go, let's go ask him, you know, let's go see. Cause we both, we, like, we both wanted to sing the songs with them because revival tour is all about collaboration. So, you know, like we could use that as license to get on stage and sing these songs that we liked when we were young, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, so we go up to Matt and, you know, uh, me and Frank are like, Matt, Matt, motherfucker, <laughs> what kind of song, kid songs are you going to play? And he's like, why do you care? And we're just like, motherfucker. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what, what get up kids songs are you going to play? And he was like, he's like, why? He's like, you don't like the get up kids. And like me and Frank were like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. We both fucking love the get up kids. <laughs> and I feel bad. People are going to hear this and they're going to go, who's the get up kids? And they're going to listen to it. And they're going to be like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, or maybe they'll be like this. I'm, my mind's blown. You know what I mean? Like, but it's like super sensitive, like, you know, wussy crap you know so <laughs> so like so you know me and frank you know like we're just like you play any song any song off of the first three records and we will sing every word and he's like you guys are full of shit i mean i'll do it i'll call you up on stage but you're not gonna know any of my songs well sure enough he's playing he gets to the end of the set and he's like i'm gonna play some get up kid songs now like let's get let's let's get austin lucas and frank up here to embarrass themselves they told me that they know the lyrics to my songs and I know it's not true. And we get up, Frank brings his guitar and like, and Matt like looks at him and is like, uh, why do you have your guitar? And he's like, he's like, you don't even know what songs I'm going to play. And Frank's like, I know them, <laughs> you know, like, and Matt's like, shut All right, man, plug in. There's the fucking DI right there. Plug in your guitar <laughs> he plugs in. And I brought my clap, you know what I mean? <laughs> like my clapping hands, you know, that was my instrument. And, uh, and he starts playing, you know, and Frank just starts playing the song with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the best thing about it is, is that Matt forgot the chords at the end of the song and Frank laid it down and kept the song going. <laughs> Matt was like, his ears were burning. He was just like so embarrassed. He was like, I can't believe it. We stayed up and sang like three songs with him, you know? And afterwards he was like, oh, you guys, that was the most amazing. I can't believe it. I had no idea. I thought you guys like hated me. You know what I mean? And we're just like, no, nah, man. I mean, you know, you wrote some catchy ass pop songs, you know, like, and that's all there is to it. 
We met at Moss Tacos here yeah. just uh, last year. With Bingham. You, yeah. With Bingham when you yeah. first moved in, Bingham Barnes from Glossary. And uh, um, were you living with them at the time? or No, but I mean, they, they made my last record with me, the one that's getting ready to come out next week. So um, they just basically, like, uh, I met Todd Bean, who also plays in Lucero, on the first Revival tour, actually. And he was the only person who had a sideman. Oh, no, that's not true, because Chuck has John Gaunt. But uh, Ben brought along Todd to play pedal steel with him, you know, like on his, like playing his solo stuff. And if you know, Ben Nichols is a singer from Lucero, yeah. right? So um, me and Todd, like, hit it off immediately. Basically, like, after the tour was over, I was recording my record, Somebody Loves You, and I was like, hey, man, you want to come up to Ohio and play on Somebody Loves You, you know, my new record? And he was like, yeah, man. So he drove up, you know, like, from Murfreesboro and recorded, you know, like, uh, it was on, like, maybe four or five songs on Somebody Loves You, and then, uh, you know, we just kept hanging out, and, you know what I mean? Like, every time we'd see each other, hugs and high fives, and Joey, the singer from Glossary, after Somebody Loves You came out, him and, like, Bingham... Um, they started coming to my shows, you know what I mean? Like, and I think we were first introduced, I was introduced to the rest of the glossary for the first time by two cow garage. There's a man from Columbus, Ohio, and I was on tour with them. And, uh, I met them here in Nashville at the basement when I played, uh, with two cow garage. And, uh, and then, um, you know, me and Joey, like, uh, the singer, you know, we kind of struck up a friendship and I, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know, like how, you know, it all happened, but, you know, you just become friends with people and like, you know, me and Todd, you know, we we're always talking about how Glossary and, you know, and I should tour together, you know, and, you know, it just kind of never materialized. And then finally, uh, in 2011, <clears throat> um, that's, which is the year that my last record, New Home in the Old World came out. They were like, you know, finally Todd was like, man, let's just f fuck this. Like, we're always talking about doing this tour together. Let's do this tour together. And you, you know, we'll back you up. And I was just like, oh man. All right, let's do that. Because, like, they're, like, the best rock and roll band in the business. You know, like, as far, they've been playing together for 15 years. They, like, know how to play together. They, and they're all just, like, so much more than competent musicians. <laughs> like, I mean, they're just, like, you know, like, they're all incredible, you know. And, like, so, you know, we finally just said, let's do it. And we booked a tour. And we did two weeks together. And, like, and at the end of the two weeks, like, you know, we were all talking. And I was like, hey, guys, like, this is great. Like, do you guys want to do my next record with me? You know, and they were like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know, like, so basically, like, we just, you know, we recorded demos um, in the early part of 2012, you know, like, uh, and we did another tour uh, together in 2012, at the beginning of 2012. And then, uh, um, you know, we we're like, well, when are we going to record this? And so we got, you know, slated it out and figured it out. And, you know, we just made the record, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just that's just how it works. Like you meet one guy from some place, and like he introduces you to all these other guys, and you know what I mean. Like, and next thing you know, you've got like you know some of the best friends you ever had, and you know, like you're making a you know music and together, and like having all these awesome times. And you know, like I took him to Europe with me uh, in uh, in April this year. You know, and you know, I just had an awesome time. I had actually too much fun. I partied myself sick. I like I you know I'm usually pretty good at like maintaining like okay I'll party a couple days a week you know what I mean like and you know other than that like maybe I'll have a drink or two on stage but like you know that tour I just I went at it and I think it's because I was like it was my first time single in Europe since like getting a divorce 
You know what I mean? And I was just like, this is my playground. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> I was like, I want to drink all of the booze. You know what I mean? Like, because they give you so much, like, they just give you like whatever you want. It is the land of good booze. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything is like nothing's pasteurized. You know what I mean? There's like living yeast and stuff in the beer. And there's like the liquor's all fucking good, except for the whiskey. You know, like, you know, I mean, okay. So scotch and Irish whiskey are theoretically good but my taste buds don't love them Corey is like a, he's an interesting friendship because I had heard about him for years and he had heard about me for years and like nev- we never you know what I mean like met and uh, I think it was in 2010 his manager called me out of the blue and I don't even know how his manager had my number like I think that I think that he maybe called my booking agent and he was like you know, hey, I hear Austin because I was in Gainesville. I used to snowbird it in the wintertime and I'd go down to Gainesville and hang out, hang out for the winter months, you know. And uh, he was like, I hear Austin's in Gainesville. Is it possible that he could pick up Corey at the airport in Orlando? And like, uh, it was this, they used to have this festival down there called Harvest of Hope and it's in St. Augustine. They had it for two years. It was great. It was an incredible festival. And, um, uh, you know, it was like, it was to benefit migrant workers. Artists on it were just incredible. The people who ran it, the organization was really fucking cool, you know. And somehow I think that it just didn't work out. You know, the second year, like, was kind of a bust or whatever. They'd overstep their budget or something. But, yeah, um, we were playing Harvest of Hope, and Corey was flying in to play Harvest of Hope. And so me and my buddy Devin, who plays in this band called The Takers that I just split with, you know, several years ago, he has his in-laws live in, in Orlando. So... He was like, fuck, buddy, we'll just drive down and, you know, like, get, you know, we'll pick him up. The in-laws are actually out of town. We'll pick him up. We'll go get some food and, you know, like, we'll go get drunk and whatever, you know. And so we're like, yeah, all right, like, let's do that. So we drove down, picked up Corey at the airport, you know, went and got barbecue. It's Florida, which is not very good, you know, like, and then, and then, uh, and then went and, like, went back to Devin's house and, like, raided the liquor cabinet at his in-laws' house, you know. And we just sat there and picked songs. You know, like me and Corey and Devin. And I truthfully, like, I'd only heard a little bit of Corey's stuff. And I don't know what it was that people were playing for me. But, like, I just wasn't really into it, you know. But I think, you know, he sat there and, and uh, the first song he played was, like, uh, Survivor Blues, which is the first or, or the second and the last song on his last record, Mutt. And he was playing it. And I was just like, holy shit. I don't know what I heard from him, but how did I underestimate this guy? You know, because he's, I mean, he's really like, you know, I I always used to say that he is the best songwriter in my friend group. You know, like he's just got such a way with words, you know, like, and he's, he, you know, he, he hits it out of the park so much, you know, and his songs that like, you know, like he has song, these songs that are just like so jealous, like, you know, I'm, I get so jealous of, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like they're jealousy inspiring, you know, I'm just like, you fucking cock, you know? Like, I can't believe you're that. The thing about him is that he's able to be, like, really witty and pull at your heartstrings and be funny at the same time. I write, like, the stuff that's just, like, it's just, like, crush. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Things are bad. Have I told you? Shit is really fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, Corey's, like, you know, it's bad, but let me make you laugh about it. And for a songwriter to be able to do that, and, and not in a novelty song way at all. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, usually when you think about songs that are funny, you think of novelty songs, and that's not what he does. So, yeah, you know, we just sat there and played, and both of us were just like, man, like, dude, you know, like, 
we're friends us you know what i mean like and so you know that's we've been friends since then and you know like uh, it was it was really cool because you know like we knew all the same people but we'd never actually you know hung out he's and good people he's great people him and his wife rebecca you know like there have you met rebecca i i mean they're just like they're the best Okay, in 2011, I did this tour called Willie Nelson's Country Throwdown, you know, which uh, obviously Willie Nelson, the headliner, and then it was Willie Nelson, Jamie Johnson, uh, Randy Hauser, Lee Bryce. Anyway, I was on this uh, Bluebird Cafe tent, you know what I mean? Like they had this a side stage basically on the festival tour. And uh, <clears throat> I just made a bunch of friends and uh, they were always like, you know, they were all like, you have to move to Nashville. Like, what are you doing? You have to move to Nashville. Why don't you live in Nashville? And so, um, had you ever played the Bluebird Cafe? Not before I got asked to be on that tour. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it's really interesting because I, I think all of those artists had were discovered at the Bluebird Cafe. But like, um, I got pulled, you know, what I mean, like from a separate talent pool. <laughs> you know, I was really happy in Bloomington, um, and you know, I, my thought was that I would just come down here and write because it's only like four hours. You know, it's four hours and fifteen. So my, my thing was like, oh, you know, I'll just go down and work, you know, like, but my wife at the time, my ex-wife now, um, she was really unhappy in Bloomington. She hated it there. And, you know, I've spent my whole life living other places other than my hometown. And all I wanted to do was live there again. But she really wanted to move somewhere else. And, you know, so she kind of basically as a selling point, she was just like, let's move to Nashville. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be good for your career. You want to be there. You know that it's a good idea for you. Like, let's just move to Nashville. So I was like, all right, all right, fine. You know what I mean? Like, we can move to Nashville. So, you know, we made plans, and for six months we were gearing up, and I've been looking, you know, I've been back and forth, you know, like in Nashville, uh, working and looking at, you know, houses and stuff like that, trying to find some place for us to live. And the introduction to the, the breakup conversation the, the final, you know what I mean, like thing that just started making us break up was she called me or I called her cause using Skype and I was in Canada and, uh, and she was just like, we're not moving to Nashville. And I was like, hold on a second. We've been planning for six months to move to Nashville. I've been telling everybody that we're moving to Nashville. Our lease is up. We've given up our lease. Like, and you know, we're supposed to be moving into my mom's basement for a month the month before we moved to Nashville and she's like, she's like, well, we're not moving to Nashville. And I was just like, uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> You've been going on and on for the last year about, you know, like before we even moved to Nashville, you've been going on about how we need to move to Nashville. And I finally, you know, like conceded. <laughs> it was like, let's okay. You know what I mean? Like let's move to Nashville. And, and you know, like, and now you're telling me that you don't want to move to Nashville. You know, and she was like, you're the one who wants to move to Nashville, not me. You know, like, and I was just like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. You know what I mean? Like, I want to, like, do you not remember, like, all the hours of conversations that we had about this where all I said was that, like, I wanted to stay in Bloomington. And the reason why you were able to get me out of Bloomington was by convincing me that Nashville was a good idea. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I definitely said a couple of times, if we're moving anywhere, we need to move to Nashville. But, like. It was your idea. So that, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of other problems anyway, so, which I'm not going to get into, but, you know, that was basically like the straw that broke the camel's back. So I, out of spite, 
was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm telling everybody that I'm moving to Nashville, you know, like, and she was still in Bloomington. I didn't, such a small town, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to be there, like, in the wake of our divorce or whatever. So, you know, I said to myself, well, I'll move to Nashville, you know, like, because I said I was going to, and I'll give it a year, you know, like, and I'll see if I like it. And, you know, uh, and in my head, and, you know, to this day, I mean, like, I think about it, and I think that Bloomington is still the goal, you know what I mean? Like, at the end, you know, like, in the end, like, I want to I want to buy a house in Bloomington, you know? I know what neighborhood I want to be in. I know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, like, I want to be in Bloomington. But I got to be honest with you, like, every day that I live in Nashville, I think about it less. Like, over the last year, I've just, like, fall, fallen completely head over heels in love with the city. I'm I'm just a huge fan of music and I love being able to go out and see John Prine in a little small room or a right you know yeah. Guy Clark or there's just so much that's great that happens in this town on a week to week basis uh-huh. that it's nice to be able to partake in it. Would you tell call me the next time that either of those dudes are playing a show somewhere <laughs> small, please? I, I guarantee you I'll yeah. do that. Cool. You'll Thank probably you. be uh, in Germany at the time. Uh, well, maybe. You never know. <laughs> I could be anywhere. I'm not going back to Europe until next year at least, so Okay. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you uh, sitting down and chatting with me. Otis, thanks a lot, man. It's good to see This is you. the best interview by far that I've done, like, oh. you know, like in a really, really long. And to be Thank honest, you. to be fair, it might be the best interview that I've ever done in my career. Oh, my God. Because you sit, I mean, it's. You must do some bad interviews. Well, we all do. <laughs> Think about it, man. Like, that's, like, we that's, do, that's the name of the game. You know, like, people, like, they just have stock questions, they don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like they're just trying to get content out there because that's their job most of the time. And like, and then the bloggers who do it for love, you know what I mean? Like even they, like they get caught up because they look and they see what all the other blogs are like, you know what I mean? Like are saying like, is this the way they they think this is like the parameters that an interview is supposed to be in. You know what I mean? And, and you know, the best interviews are always the people who think outside of the box and just kind of like let the, the person who's being interviewed guide the conversation. You know, like that's, that's very, that's very kind of you to say that. I appreciate that. Man. Good interview, man. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in. And I'd like to thank Austin for meeting up with me at my friend Camilla's house here in East Nashville. And I'd like to thank Camilla for letting us use her house. You can find out everything you need to know about Austin at austinlucasmusic.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com, and I might even read it on the air. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.